1: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Cramerica. I've been want to make friends. i am trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate you, teach you, explain it all. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me. At Jim Cramer, that's it. Okay, I have had enough, right? I keep hearing that today's rally, Dow gaining 77 points, S&P rising 0.45%, NASDAQ rising 0.7%, Is somehow phony that it's engineered by the Federal Reserve, which means everything will end in tears. Look, we definitely got a boost from the Fed, but the idea that this makes the whole move fake it's ridiculous. On a day when the S&P briefly broke out above 3,000, hitting a new all-time high, I want to put all of this Fed-mandated bubble talk to bed. So yes, it's true that the averages were looking da- it's true the averages were looking down before Jerome Powell, our competent Fed chief, gave some dovish testimony to Congress about how our economy is not in great shape. Powell admitted that business is slowing and the tariffs could slow it even more. He's right although we probably should have mentioned that its December rate hike also played a role. Powell's speech and his answers to questions made it clear that the Fed will cut rates, perhaps even as soon as this month, if the economy keeps deteriorating. And it sure sounds like he expected to continue to deteriorate. The prospect of a rate cut is what ignited the market, okay, today. But as soon as we got going, you heard the same story from so many commentators and money managers. They say it's all one big hot air balloon practically a hydrogen-filled Zeppelin that's bound to crash somewhere in Lakehurst, New Jersey, just like in Scissorship, the Hindenburg. I say the only things full of hot air are those gas-bag talking heads. First of all, what the Fed give if the Fed take away. We saw this in the fourth quarter when Powell created a bear market out of whole cloth by tightening too aggressively. He thought the economy was still accelerating Really, it was already starting to slow down. Look at the charts. Powell almost single-handedly crashed the market because he made bad monetary policy. Now, at the time, I was screaming my darn head off, warning him to change course, but no one said, this is a bogus decline. It is caused by the Fed, so you can wait it out, and eventually everything will turn out okay. These commentators all act like all is well with the universe when the Fed's hawkish, and when the Fed's dovish, they pretend it's an anomaly, or worse. Like it's fine for Powell to kill the economy, but it's a problem for him to try to resurrect it. That seems nuts to me. Where is it written that it's wrong for the Federal Reserve to do things that help the economy and eventually help the stock market? Where? More importantly, let me say this. One of the few benefits of aging is wisdom. I've been investing since the S&P 500 was at 87. Not 1987, but 87 the price. Remember today that's 3,000. I've seen this process play out where the stock market rallies and rate cuts the whole darn way. Is it really possible that for my whole career we've been in one gigantic bubble? Can we really say that it's all been engineered by the Fed and nothing else? Of course not. That's lunacy. So let me tell you why this rally is the real thing. And I've got five reasons. First and most obvious. There's an incredible thing about stocks. They may just. We're all going to die. They may just be pieces of paper, but you can sell them and take that money to the bank. And you know what? When you go to the bank to deposit your winnings from the big Fed-induced bubble, <laughs> yeah, thank you, uh, they don't ask you how you earn that money. Never once has anyone said, you know what? The teller window, I can't take that money. It doesn't count because you got it for an assist from Alan, Alan Greenspan. got like thermonuclear. I'm not done. Or maybe you got it from Bernanke or Janet Yellen. Yelling, yes, or J pal, a win is a win. It's not asterisk for heaven's sake. Second, it's true that our stock market is being inflated by money from overseas. Foreign investors are desperate to own dollar-denominated assets. Some of that's because the United States is in better shape than many other developed countries. Some of it's because central banks are all over the world aggressively debasing their currencies. So more and more money flows here. You know what my response is my response is who cares? We have a strong currency. The dollar's a magnet for money overseas. So what again? A win is a win. Hey, by the way, speaking of central banks, most central bankers would kill for the so-called bubble that Powell's given us, talking about uncertainty. People who make monetary policy want the economy to do well. It's not that complicated. Sometimes they need to tap on the brakes to stave off inflation. But they're not some kind of neutral referee, for heaven's sake. When business slows down, they're supposed to cut interest rates. That's what Powell says he'll do. He's not cheating. He's doing his darn job. Third, I've heard all day that the game is rigged for stocks to go higher. Oh, give me a break. The fact is that inflation is so low in this country and demand for money is deteriorating so fast that bonds just don't give you much in return. That's how bond prices are determined. That means stocks, especially stocks with decent dividends, are the only game in town. Fourth, I know the situation is far from perfect. In a perfect world, I'd prefer for stocks to go higher because the economy is growing. What's wrong with stocks going up because the Fed is taking action to boost that economic growth? If you thought business was going to slow down and you were worried about the market, then after what Powell said today, you should be more willing to own and buy stocks because you're getting a jump on better times, and stocks anticipate better times. Fifth and finally, I am so sick and tired of hearing that it's all about the Fed. Yeah, two for one. Sure, the sector and the asset cl- sure this sector and the asset class matter. But if you invest in the best companies, you're going to make money over the long term with or without the darn Fed. If you invest in bad companies, you just good companies with bad stocks like Levi's, even the Fed can't save you. Now, there's more to this game than interest rates. There's such a thing, say, as uh, ingenuity, um, uh, competitiveness, uh, power of invention, technology. When you look at the top 10 stocks that led us from S&P 2000 to S&P 3000, they're all examples of sheer raw brain power and technology at work right in front of you, almost like Edgar Allan Poe's purloined letter. But the bottom line? Will you please save the darn bubbles for the bathtub, for heaven's sake? The dollars you can make in this market. Well, let's just say those dollars, they're real. And they are spectacular. Mike in New Jersey, Mike! Uh, Dr. Kramer, a big booyah to you. Done your, your way, you what's going on? Call? Call. Okay. Jim, I'm 75 years of age and retired for the last 15 years. I would like your opinion regarding the purchase of 10,000 shares of Starwood Properties, symbol STWD. Okay, and we I have, have been behind position. Barry Sternlick the whole way. We think that Barry does a great job. We, we pronounced the yield safe. We said the return is good. Still yields 8%. Stock's up very big for the year, but we are sticking with Sternlick. Ah! I sanctioned the buy. James in Florida. James. Booyah, Big Jim. Excellent stuttering. Yeah. Yeah. How Going to help? Uh. I did what you said. I follow. I read your books. All my boys watch your show. Thank I took you. 10% off my five best stocks, and it's sitting in my bank now. I'm looking at Delta Airlines. What do you think? Well, I, Should I, I, I like throw Delta. that money back in the market? Well, I like Delta. My favorite is uh, United Continental, but I'm not a big airline buyer here. Uh, Delta's, by the way, had a very good run. It's a very good company. Maybe on a pullback, but remember the airlines. I don't like the. Airlines. If you really want to speculate on transports, go down and dirty. Go, believe it or not, with FedEx. Dylan, oh, Dylan in Florida. Dylan. Hey man, how are you doing today? Oh, real well. How about you, Dylan? Good. I just wanted to see your insights on Nokia. I've been buying it. Uh, I just started in the market. Nokia is one of my first stocks I started buying. I haven't sold it. I'm about, I'm about 10 cents under average cost. And given the news about 5G and the price. upcoming, do uh, you think I should continue so buying be real, honestly, it, I it? I think it Nokia, rate, Nokia has out. second rate. First of all, Nokia is a river in Finland. Completely uh, apropos, nothing. But Nokia is a second-rate company, I'm sorry, with second-rate 5G technology, second-rate, believe it or not, to Huawei, which makes better and cheaper technology, which is why this whole darn thing with China is such a problem. Stay away from Nokia. All right, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but it isn't a bubble, for heaven's sake. This is real. The dollars you can make in this market are real. And yes, they are spectacular on oh, Mad Money tonight. I'm on a rampage, and you don't want to miss it. I'm giving you my take on the top 10 and S&P winners. Then I'm taking a look back at the IPO class of 2019 to see which companies are worth considering. And it's a stock that tried more than 2,000% in the past two years, and you've probably never heard of it. I'll reveal it when I turn in tonight's homework. So stay with Kramer.
2: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Looking for a rewarding, life changing opportunity that enhances the lives of children in your community? With almost 50 years of experience, Huntington Learning Center is the nation's leading K-12 tutoring and test prep franchise, dedicated to shaving brighter futures for our students and franchisees. Huntington is the top revenue-producing supplemental education franchise in the U.S., and our proven system is the key to success for you and your students. The Huntington Advantage includes low startup cost, turnkey systems, dedicated support teams, national and local marketing support and multiple revenue streams to help you build a life-enriching and profitable business. No education experience needed. In today's environment, the need for tutoring has never been greater. When you become part of Huntington Learning Center, you're filling an urgent need in the growing $5 billion supplemental education industry. To learn more, visit HuntingtonFranchise.com. Make a meaningful difference, pursue your dreams of business ownership, and be a positive force in your community. Don't wait. Visit HuntingtonFranchise.com today.
1: I'll say it again. Stop fixating on the Federal Reserve. They know nothing! When Jerome Powell, our rookie Fed chief, does the right thing like he did today, he's not somehow rigging the system in favor of the stock market. He's simply creating a healthy backdrop where the best companies can really thrive. Like I told you before, when you look at the stocks that have led us higher over the past five years, well, they haven't been fueled by the Fed. They've been fueled by pure human ingenuity. In the summer of 2014, the S&P 500 broke out above 2,000. Today, it hit 3,000. Was that all a Fed mandated bubble? Jeez, I mean, the Fed re- Federal Reserve raised interest rates nine times over that period. When the market was roaring higher in 2016, 2017, 2018, nobody was expecting lower interest rates. So please, please, please don't just focus on the Fed, focus on the companies. I know that sounds crazy when you're constantly bombarded with all this bubble talk. That's why I want to break it down for you. Consider the 10 best performers in the SP 500 during its run from 2000 to 3000. Number one is ABIMED. This is a medical device company that makes teeny tiny gadgets to help prevent congestive heart failure, prevent death. They also make totally artificial heart replacements. Over the five years since the S&P 500 broke above uh, 2000, ABIMED stock has rallied 892%. Could you have caught that move? This was a pretty small company back then, but you know what? You might have known about it if you'd watched the show when we had AbbeyMed's CEO back in 2012, he was astounding. At the time, the company had just reported one of the best earnings beats I'd ever seen, breaking into large profitability when most of us were looking for a loss. How'd they do it? By building a better mousetrap, people. True American ingenuity. A heart device that was simply much better than the balloon catheter that had previously been the standard. Like I said, inventiveness, progress. This is what we're looking for. Abby Med gave it to us. Number two. Number two is NVIDIA NVGA. It's up 722% because founder, CEO, and all-around cool guy Jensen Wong is a genius with a brilliant team. Remember when we saw them? How great was that? They've got the best chips for gaming, artificial intelligence, machine learning, autonomous driving, wide-area communications, and the data center. You really think this one was hard to spot? Come on! When a guy as crazy as I am names his dog after a stock and that's what I did with our rescue mutt, formerly known as Everest. Now, NVIDIA, <laughs> you need own that stock. Number three is Advanced Micro Devices, AMD. Uh, that's up 706%. Now, this is another one where we've been behind for years on the show. I think my Squawk on the Street co-host, David Faber, has gotten sick of me praising AMD's Lisa Sue, who's engineered what may be the single greatest turnaround I have ever seen. They're both from Queens, by the way. Hey, my wife's from Queens, too. Worthless. Now, uh, Lisa Su saved AMD from almost certain bankruptcy, and it's now making chips that not only rival Nvidia's, they're routinely better than Intel's. That's incredible. As someone who used to be an Intelaholic, I am off the wagon and hitched to AMD even here after its monster multi-year Lisa Su, not Federal Reserve, engineered move. Next up, hmm. Oh, this is a tough one. You might have missed it. It's called Amazon. Yeah, Amazon. Is that the most obvious stock in history? How many companies have not one, but two holidays named after them? I'm talking about Amazon Prime Day, which is really two days that we celebrate next week, where everything is on sale. And the prices are insane! Yep, over the period where the S&P ran from 2000 to 3000 Amazon Amazon's stock has rallied 490%. Given that Prime has over 100 million members, this was hard to miss. Amazon has totally reinvented retail, and sometimes I think it's just getting started. Number five, okay, a little obscure unless you watch the show. I'm talking about Market Access. That's up 487%. It's a company that's bringing electronic trading to the bond market. We've had the CEO on several times and praised the stock many more. Market Access has a great business, but it's also benefiting from the fact that money managers who need financial exposure love financial technology stocks like this one over owning banks. Even without that, though, it's a great story. Way back in the 80s when I worked for Goldman Sachs, we used to have a call around for a bunch of places to trade bonds. Now you just use Market Access. Better mousetrap. You know what's not a strange thing? The fact that Netflix is on this list, up 456%. Again, though, this is really innovation. I know people are worried that they're going to lose too much program to all these new streaming services, but Netflix has an unassailable position. It's the new way we watch television. You ever talk to the next generation? As a cable guy, I don't want them cutting my cord. So I'm begging these millennials to let me coexist with Stranger Things or Narcos or FALDA, none of which, by the way, and I looked this up before I came in here, were created by the Fed. (laughs) Six, how long have we been recommending Take-Two Interactive during this 425% run? The answer, the whole time. That's how long. I praise CEO Strauss, Zelnick and his team, which brought you the single most successful video game franchise in history, or maybe entertainment franchise in history, Grand Theft Auto. Ever since he proved to us that gaming was the next big thing, and he's right. And you're right if you listen to him. It's not like Take-Two was hard to identify. I put Zelnick on the list of top 10 guests we've had on since the show got going 14 years ago. Remember I told you about FinTech and how powerful it is? Remember how I've said over and over again that my good friend in real life, Henry Fernandez, runs MSCI, which is the keeper of all the emerging market indices? Well, if you invested in MSCI along with Henry, well, you're up 409% over the past five-odd years. And Henry's not done yet. I don't, think, I, I, I don't like investing in emerging markets. It's too dicey. Too, just too, I'm, I'm too conservative. Too risky. But I do like investing in the tools that help other people invest in them, and that's MSCI. Now, here's a tough one. I've said too many times that we're in the selfie generation where people need to look great every moment because you never know when you're going to be photographed. And that's why Align technology is up 406% because it invented Invisalign. The invisible braces let you straighten your teeth without putting tons of metal in your mouth. What makes Align tough? Because in a rare bit of total stupidity, I told you to take profits in this one because of newfound competition. Turns out the competition is having trouble gaining traction. My bad. Finally, at number 10, there's Global Payments. I've been raving about the payments processing business for ages. Hey, we just had Wax, a business-to-business payments company on last night. We've had PayPal on endlessly. Dan Schulman, how good is he? Same with Square. Global Payments in particular has only come on the show once. But it's becoming one of the largest players in the industry. And that's why it's up 352%. FinTech isn't hard to spot people. They're all in your wallet. Global Payments admittedly is harder to identify than a MasterCard or a Visa or American Express. Uh, it's hard to identify if you uh, cut the cord. Don't watch me at money. The bottom line. The top 10 performers in the S&P 500 over the period where it rallied from 2,000 to 3,000 aren't mysteries. We've praised most of them repeatedly. As for Invisalign and its parent Align technology, do you know that 52 years ago I went to Dr. Abe Liebowitz for braces? And guess what? In the selfie generation, it's time for a tune-up. Dan in New Jersey, Dan! Booyah, Jim. Uh, Thanks for everything that you do for all of us. Absolutely. All right. My question is Microsoft um, has a buy rating, shows that it's somewhat overvalued and it's almost at its fifty-two week high with a price target of one forty-four. I was just wondering, is now a good time or should I wait for a pullback? Okay, it's pullback? had a huge, huge run. I talked about this morning squawking the street. I said, you know what, Frankly, this thing has just been monster good, and I'm worried after this big run that it will pull back even after it reports a great quarter. And that is when you would pull the trigger. Not All right, the stocks that have led us higher since the S&P broke 2000 have been fueled by pure human ingenuity. So don't just focus on the Fed, for heaven's sake. Focus on the CEOs. Focus on the companies. Focus on the technology. Focus on the winners. And stick with Kramer.
2: Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include
0: increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction.
2: Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block.
0: Ask your boss if Canva Write is right for you at Canva.com, designed for work. Canva! Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future.
1: Now the second quarter is officially in the bag, and the IPO market has slowed down, well, we've got to evaluate the new companies that have come public as part of the class of 2019 and also shine a light on what I've thought of them. All year, I've been warning uh, warning you, look, the IPO cycle tends to deteriorate the longer it goes on. Well, they start with the most enticing merchandise, and then they start bringing lower and lower quality deals as time goes on. So while the median stock in the class of 2019 is up nearly 9% from where a deal was priced, it's actually down 3.3% from its first trade. That's cautionary, people. Of course, there have been some huge winners. Beyond Meat, Shockwave, Medical, Zoom, Video, Cortexime, and Revolve Group have all more than doubled from where they came public. Beyond Meat's up 554% at the moment. And because we have accountability here on Mad Money, we want to review how we've done. So let's go over the IPOs that we've covered. There's 13 of them we've got to kind of drill down on. First, this whole IPO cycle kicked off in March, when Levi Strauss and company came public, I told you it was too expensive, and I'd only recommend it on pullback to 20. After trading sideways for a few months, wow, Levi's reported a quarter that the market didn't like last night, and the stock got obliterated, down 12% today. That's now under 21. Honestly, even under 20, I'm not even sure if I want to buy it, after we heard from management last night. Second, there's the lift buckle. The rideshare company came public at the end of March, spiked dramatically at the opening, and then started going right back down. Lyft peaked at eighty-eight dollars on its first day. By mid-May, it had pulled back to forty-seven, and while it's rebounded at sixty-two bucks right now, well, it's still well off its highs from the day that it came public. I told you Lyft could be a good trade if you got it below seventy-five, but the stock strength at the opening suckered me into thinking that there was more demand for this thing than there really was. As Churchill might say, "Not my finest hour." In retrospect, I have a lot of concerns about the sustainability of the business and this slowing growth. There are better places to put your money. On April 4th, we got TradeWeb Markets. That's an electronic securities marketplace. The stock started strong, and I told you it was still cheap not long after it came public. Good call. TradeWeb has continued to climb higher. It's given us a 31% gain. I still like TradeWeb up here because it's a play on the continued digitization of trading. If you bought this one of my recommendations, I don't know, maybe ring the register on some, but you've got to read the rest of ride because it looks a lot like market access. And that was one of the winners I told you about at the top of the show. Fourth is Pinterest. That's the social media network based on online vision boards. I told you Pinterest was worth buying if you get it in on the deal. But otherwise, they said you might want to hold off. Now, this was a little too conservative as the stock racked up some nice early gains. Since then, though, it's been pretty sedate. A couple of months ago, we sat down with Ben Silberman. He's the excellent CEO, and he told a very good story about how the company reported some earnings, uh, really numbers that weren't as disappointing as Wall Street said, but, you know, it didn't matter. People thought the numbers were ugly. Uh, he's rightly in spending and heavily, heavily spending for the future, and that's really what went wrong here. I think it's worth owning, although I'd like it a lot more, of course, on a pullback. I have to admit that, boy, oh boy, do they send a lot of emails when you subscribe. Fifth, there's Zoom video. That's the purveyor of cloud-based video conferencing software, which came public on the same day as Pinterest and ended up becoming one of the hottest deals of the year. This thing priced at 36. I thought it was okay. It opened at 65 though, continued to roar up to 107 last month. We're finally pulling back to 92 in changes of today. Now I was very worried about the valuation here from the get-go, which in retrospect was a big mistake. The market was desperate for something like Zoom, turbocharged revenue growth, genuine profitability. Still, Zoom sells for 33 times next year's sales, not earnings. I can't get behind anything that expensive. I'm afraid you'll get hurt. Cisco's got a competing product, which I think could get some traction here. Again, I reiterate, I was wrong about Zoom video. It's been a rocket. I was too conservative, too bearish, too cautious about the stock of what is a very good company. And I hope they'll come on the show. Same goes for Beyond Meat, which we've talked about a lot. The maker of plant-based hamburgers changed the game when it came public a little over two months ago. While the gains here have been spectacular, especially since Beyond Meat reported a blowout quarter in June, the stock's valuation is simply bananas, people. I know I've been too cautious about this one, too. But discipline should always trump conviction in this business. And my discipline tells me that Beyond Meat is a cold stock. A cold stock. That's way, way too hot for us to touch. Plus, my wife says they taste terrible. I like them as long as they're smothered in condiments. Its valuation is impossible to understand, at least until its rival, Impossible Burger, comes public. How about Uber? Another big one that came public with a whimper. After the Lyft debacle, we we were worried about Uber. But while the stock initially got hit, it quickly bottomed. The performance has been pretty decent. This thing's up 21% from its lows. Unlike Lyft, Uber actually reported a solid quarter right out of the gate. I'm warming up to this one again, but I want to see another good quarter before I'm ready to really say, you know what? Uber's for real. The service is for real. Don't know about the stock yet. Next, on May 17th, Luckin' Coffee. That's the uh, upstart Chinese coffee chain. Came public and it spiked from 17 to 25 before pulling back to 20. I told you to be very afraid when it was up in the 20s because the company was growing too fast for its own good. Uh, it given that the stock quickly plunged to 13, now that was a good call, although it's since rebounded to just under 19 as of today. Nah, still don't like it. More recently, we've gotten a bunch of good ones that haven't changed very much. Uh, a little over a month ago, Revolve Group came public. This is the online fashion retailer. It's been a terrific performer, opening at 25 and running to 37 today. When, I w- when it was at 36, I told you to wait for a pullback. And while the stock quickly surged to 48, it just as quickly gave back those gains. And you could have gotten in for 31 bucks. That's why we say wait for a pullback. Now, once again, I'm going to tell you, wait for a pullback before you pull the trigger. You're getting these kinds of erratic trading in these unseasoned stocks. You'll be able to get a chance to Revolve. In mid June, CrowdStrike came public. This is a cloud oriented cybersecurity company that had an explosive IPO with the stock surging from 34 to 63.50 right out of the gate. And it kept climbing. On June 19th, when CrowdStrike was at 77, I told you it was too hot to handle. I like Zscaler more. With the stock down $74, oh, that was the right call. CrowdStrike is selling for more than 25 times next year's, not earnings, but sales. It's too rich for me. Good company. Nosebleed stock. Two days later, Chewy came public, and this is the online pet food retailer that everybody I know as a pet uses, including us. This is another one that came public with a bang. I told you it was worth buying on a dip below 30, but so far it hasn't gone below 30 and change. This is a great company, but a pricey stock, weird ownership structure. It's at 33 now, and it doesn't look like it'll run away from us. So I say keep your bat on your shoulder. Wait for a better pitch. Three weeks ago, Slack Technology started trading. They did what's known as a direct listing rather than IPO. And since then, it's been moving sideways in the mid-30s, kind of doing nothing. While people are very excited about the collaboration software play, I like the software. It's just another super expensive stock. Still, I told you it was worth buying under 40 in this crazy market. I'm standing by that judgment. Finally, one I'm very intrigued by, two weeks ago we got the Real Real, that's the actual name, Real Real, which surged from 20 to 20 under 29 on its first day. If you remember, this is that online consignment store that's growing like a weed saws Roundup. Compared to many other recent deals, the Real Real has a reasonable valuation, signed for roughly seven times sales, still expensive, but 49% growth rate. Kind of reminds me of Etsy, you know, I like Etsy. I told you it was worth buying on a pullback to 2250 or less. We're still about four bucks from that level. I say be patient, but I understand if you want to pull the trigger. Why? Because it is a really good company. Bottom line with many of these recent IPOs, you feel like an idiot for being disciplined. Yes, I feel like an idiot when it comes to Zoom or Beyond Me. They've made a killing for you. Uh, That was meant if you were willing to forget or forgive traditional valuation metrics. And I'm not. I know it's frustrating. Maybe you'll never get a viable pullback in some of these names, but you need to realize that sooner or later there will be a correction in the class of 2019. Sell, 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 sell. And when that happens, I want you to keep your composure, focus on your favorite names, and be selective so you can view the sell-off as a buying opportunity, not a calamity. Robert in Florida. Robert. Hey, Jim. Greetings from sunny Florida. How are you Uh, doing? Good. My question is about fin Software. It uh, went public a few months ago. I got in at 22. Uh, the company has very good revenues but still loses money. And I want to know if it's time to take profits or uh, buy more. It has got every single buzzword. It's got cloud. It's got firewall migration, uh, data center migration. It's a really red hot stock. It's another stock that's losing a lot of money. The company's losing a lot of money. I got a ton of them that are like this. You know what? Actually, I prefer Okta. Yes, Kramer family-fave Okta to Tufton. Some of these IPOs made you kill it. What a market. Now look, if you get a sell-off, keep your composure, and buy some of your favorite names. I just told you where the prices are good. Many of the companies are excellent. Stocks are too high. Much more mad money ahead. Good news, if the dog ate your homework, I did it for you, and it could make you some money. Then does the wear and tear in Levi's stock leave you with the blues? I'm I the stock here for today's Hideous drop, and all your calls rapid-fire tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Whenever I get a call about a stock that I'm stumped by, I take the time to do the homework, then come back to you with a more considered opinion rather than just cuff it. So let's catch up on our summer reading. When April 1st, Dave in Arizona asked me about CareDX. That's cDNA for you, home gamers. I said I'd get back to them. This is a diagnostics company. You know we like those. It's focused on helping transplant patients. They help doctors find a better match between donated organs and the recipients. And they help monitor patients for early signs that your body might be rejecting the transplant. Now, there's a definite need for this stuff, so you can understand why CareDX has been such a smoking hot stock. Two years ago, this was a penny stock, though. It's now at just under $40, meaning it's rallied more than 2,300%. You can't make money in this market 2,300%. That's an incredible move, and it includes a 212% run in just the past 12 months. As much as I hate to chase stocks that have moved up so dramatically, the fact is, CareDX deserves these gains. Two years ago, they didn't have any products on the market. Now they have two diagnostic tools, one for pre-transplant organ matching, one for post-transplant monitoring. And they they've both been very successful. Last month, management gave multiple industry presentations where they sounded confident about the company's momentum. That's why CareDX has been able to report a series of better-than-expected quarters, and as a result, the analysts have been scrambling to raise their estimates, and this is what you get. Even after its epic run, when you look at the forecast for out years, say 2021, the stock, which is what, how you value these growth stocks, stocks trading at less than 22 times earnings. Average stock trades at 19. This is so no average stock. So it's not all that expensive. Although if you look at next year, it's selling for 67 times earnings. So you're banking on some major growth in the next two years. Oh, and it doesn't hurt that the medical device cohort is beloved right now because these are the kinds of companies that can thrive in a slowdown. And it's one part of the healthcare industry that doesn't seem to be under fire from most of the Democrats who are running for president. They've been unscathed. It's one of the reasons, by the way, that I really like Abbott Labs and, you know, I like Medtronic. So where do I come down on this one? While it's no Abimed. I like CareDx, and I wish I'd recommended it when Dave called back when it was trading in the low 30s. Like many of our viewers, Dave's got horse sense. But at just under 40 bucks, I'm sorry you got away from pullback, although it probably won't last long. The stock dipped from 40 to 35 last week and already erased most of that decline. That's why you have my blessing to put on a small speculative position right here. Obviously, speculation. Be careful. That's what we learned from Abimed. Next up on April 10th, Dave in Ohio called about. Orbcom, this is O-R-B-C, and I said I needed to do some homework, didn't do some research, before chiming in with a more considered opinion. Orbcom is a machine communications company that's all about the industrial Internet of Things. We love the IoT. It's a great theme, and we bet a lot of money betting on stocks that are in it. Basically, they track, monitor, control, and enhance security for everything from trucks to rail cars, to sea containers to power generators, fluid tanks, oil wells, irrigation control systems, heavy equipment, you name it. Now, Orbcom stock has been a real, real laggard, and you can see that it was a laggard for a while, right up until the past couple of months. In fact, Dave in Ohio nearly called the bottom right here. Since then, the stock's up 20%. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, Why has this one been breaking out here? Look, I get the appeal of the business. They help companies keep track of their ever-growing fleets of logistic assets and machinery, kind of, again, a bit of a company like we saw from Wex last night. But its end markets are pretty cyclical. So, if you're worried about a worldwide slowdown, as Jay Powell, the Fed chief, clearly is, this may not be the best place to invest. Stocks currently just over eight bucks. It wouldn't be surprised if we got to nine just on the strength of the current momentum. However, Orbcom has a spotty operational record, and it sure doesn't help that the company is not yet profitable. Plus, when you, you get your head around what these guys do, I mean, they're in a very similar business to a company that we've talked to about many times that I really like, and that's called Zebra Technologies. And I simply can't think of a reason to buy Orbcom over the much better run Zebra. Think barcode. If you like Orbcom, you will love Zebra Technologies, even after that last quarter, which wasn't so hot, and it's added advantage of, well, Zebra's Extremely profitable. This is a case where you want to stick with the best of breed. Finally, on April 30th, Jeff in Kentucky called about one that I've had to make a lot of calls on because it's really pretty cool. And I didn't know it, and that was my bad that I did. It's called Elastic. Uh, And we got not only one question, we also got a question May 10th about this one uh, from Fernando in New York. I mean, why do I know this one? It's a Dutch company, okay? A Dutch company. It's a software company with technology that helped us research. See, this is. Big move in and not doing much, but it helps uh, research large quantities of both structured and unstructured data. Now, you might not be familiar with the name, but you probably have used Elastic's platform. See, when you use Uber, well, that's Elastic software. It's helped powers the systems that locate nearby drivers. When you look for a match on Tinder, the online dating platform, Elastic helps power the algorithms that make it happen. Now, I don't know anything about Tinder. I used to think it was something that started fires, but people tell me it's a very big deal. I'm no Boy Scout, but I still don't get it. Elastic came public early last October with a deal pricing at 36 bucks. Stock immediately surging up to 70 at the open because there was so much demand. But because of a big fourth quarter meltdown, it pulled back to 58. Now it doesn't look as bad as it is, but people are saying, "Be careful the stock because of the chart." Oh please, come on! While the stock then roared to 100 in February ahead of earnings, when Elastic actually reported, the numbers were good, but not good enough to justify moving the stock. The momentum guys didn't like it. Since then, the stock's been marked time in the 70s and 80s, although it's shown some signs of life in the last few weeks. In short, Elastic has been, well, an elastic trader. The weird thing is that Elastic's had trouble rallying, even in an environment where many newly public software stocks have been just red hot. I think part of the reason is that it's got slower growth. Now, don't be wrong. Slower growth is really a relative thing. This is growing at 47%. Last I looked, that was pretty good. But it compares to a company like Twilio. That also helps app developers, and Twilio is growing at a 70% clip, and people are just beginning to learn about it. Yet, Elastic sells for nearly 12 times next year's sales, while Twilio sells for just over 10 times next year's sales. I know, remember, not earning sales, so we're talking about nosebleed. Granted, there's some stocks like Slack or Zoom Video that have much higher, more ridiculous valuations, but that really doesn't justify paying too much for Elastic, while I am intrigued by Elastic. I'm also concerned that they're going to see a pullback in the highest-flying software-as-a-service stocks. Don't forget, while Elastic hasn't had much traction lately, this thing came public at 36 less than a year ago. It's now in the 80s. It's just that most of these gains came in the first minute of trading. Elastic is far from my favorite here, but if you really like it, I'm telling you to wait. I think you're going to get a better buying opportunity at lower prices. In Twilio... It's best in show. We own it for the Chapel trust. I'd still buy it even up here as a starter position only. Then hope it comes down, which it periodically does every so often, because even Kramer fave Jeff Lawson, the brilliant Twilio CEO, isn't perfect. But then again, as we know from some like it, hot, nobody is. Bad Money's back after the break. It is. And then the lighting round is over. Are you ready? Ski, daddy, down to the light rail. I'm going to start with Walter in New Jersey. Walter.
2: Hey, Jimmy boy. How you doing? This doing pretty good, w Chief. What about you? New Jersey. Great. I'm looking at this uh, company. It's a small biotech. It's AMRN.
1: You know, it's pretty good. Uh, they have a hard chunk that could be worth much more than uh, the stock itself. I say, you know what, speculative, but... Ah! Okay, let's go to Paul in Texas. Paul! Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Paul. Is my stock up, buy? M T L S. Oh, my God. These pipeline companies have been so painful, but they're actually moving up. Thank you, Matt Horwin, for charting these to me every single night. So I'm literally going to stick my neck out. Oh, my God. I hope not. And say it's okay to home. Let's go to Michael in Florida. Michael!
0: Hey, Mr. Kramer. Big South Florida booyah to you. Thanks nice. for everything you do. Thank you. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about a biotech stock. I know they were, the bios got hit today, but uh, they've got an FDA. Uh, they have, they've got a patent on a CBD drug called uh, Zygels for autism. It's in clinical trials right now. There's been a lot of insider buying. They got the FDA fast-track approval uh, it's Zynerba Pharmaceuticals, E-Y-N-E.
1: Philadelphia Company. Okay, very interesting, but you know that I'm a GW Pharma guy. I think gee, we had them on a bunch of times. I think they got the best formulation. I don't want. I just want to go with Best of Breed in that space. I understand it's a decent spec, but I'm going with GW Pharma. Chris in Michigan. Chris. Hey,
2: Jimbo. Yo. Booyah. Booyah. Hey, my uh, stock is Schneider National. They're not doing real no, well. No, they're not. Want... They're not. You see them on
1: the road all the time. The trucking company's got logistics issues. You know what? You want to, you, let, Let's buy UPS. Enough is enough. I think UPS has come down enough. FedEx, by the way, recommended by Goldman. That was a gutsy call today. So I think both of those are better. Let's go to D in Virginia. D. Booyah, Jim. This oh, wow. I like it. D and Zoe calling from Virginia Beach. These people got horse sense. How are you guys doing? What's up?
0: We are celebrating our 11th year wedding anniversary here in Virginia Beach, and our day wouldn't be complete with our favorite show, Mad Money. So my husband always says money never takes a break, so we're calling to see what you think about Planet Fitness, PLNT stuff.
1: Now, these people, are how great is this, right? They call in. I'm talking to Regina, executive I can produce them forever like me. And I think Planet Fitness is terrific. they got to deal even with Target. Bye, bye, bye. I think every time they come on, I feel even better about the stock. Planet Fitness has a great business model, and they're winners. I need to go to Curt in Florida. Curt!
2: Greetings from Fort Myers, Florida, where right. the weather is warm, and so is everybody else.
1: I know. My wife wants me to move there. So, Well, interesting. <laughs> You'd love it. All right. I like Mescal. What's up?
2: I'm holding Allergan, and if I sold today, I'd take a terrible loss. Well,
1: I mean, but look, it's gotten a takeover bid. It's kind of done. I mean, Abby bought it. The stock didn't pan out. I understand. It's time. You, know, you want to hold it until fruition? I don't know. We're not arbitrageurs. Ka ching, ka ching. Let's go to Near Meat in New York. Near Meat. Mr. Kramer, how are you? I'm good. How about you, Near Meat? I'm doing excellent. I just have two questions. Question number one. Disney is all-time high, and is it still a buy before upcoming earnings? And second question, will Amazon Prime bring any good news to Amazon stock? Well, you got a two-for-there. I'd I like Amazon. For, I, look, Amazon and, and Disney are both Chapel Trust stocks. They've been Travel Trust stocks for absolutely forever. I believe in both of them. I don't want to trade them. I think you have to own them. That's the key thing. You own them right through the quarters because they're really good companies. And that, ladies and gentlemen, up of the Lightning Round.
2: The Lightning Round. Is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: Just because you love the product, that doesn't mean you should love the stock. Look, I love Levi's trousers. The Levi's, the pants, not so much Levi's, the stock. Wearing Levi's jeans on the weekend. Great idea. Wearing Levi's the stock on a trading day. Let's just say you're dressed for a lack of success with the darn thing plummeting 12 percent today on hideous guidance after a just OK quarter. Like I mentioned earlier, Levi's came public on March 21st and it was done with much fanfare. It was the first big deal of the year right before the lift debacle and it primed the pump for the big IPO cycle. Now, Levi's, the company, has a storied history. It's been kicking around since 1853. It has terrific management. We've had it on the show. Chip Berg, CEO, seasoned executive. So it made sense why the stock immediately went to a premium. After pricing at 17 bucks, it spiked up to $22.22 at the open and then closed at $23.66. Big success. At those levels, though, Levi's was trading at 22 times earnings, which was more expensive than the average apparel stock, not totally unhinged. But this was a rookie stock, even though the company had been around for more than 100 years. And the first quarter out of the gate, okay, maybe that justified the valuation. The device did a really good job. But the quarter they reported last night, the market has decided it was a bomb. Now, maybe it wasn't a thermonuclear device, but I would say it was a napalm-loaded canister scalding this shareholder base. All right, is the market right? If you only looked at the headline numbers today, sell-off might seem like an overreaction. Levi's delivered better than expected sales and earnings, and the forecast was technically better than expected. Technically! Even though they did talk about a meaningful sales slowdown in the second half of the call. But if you want to know why everyone dumped the stock... Sell, sell, sell! Sell, 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 sell! It's because of the customers of Levi's especially the customers in the United States. It looks like America is overrun with denim right now. Department Stores just have way too much of the stuff. While Levi's U.S. sales were up 1%, Cuppy had a 2% decline in the U.S. wholesale business, perhaps their most important channel. As Harmit Singh, the very thoughtful CFO, explained on a conference call, and I quote, the U.S. wholesale decline was attributable to the impact of the bankruptcies and door closures that some of our customers have experienced over the last year, as well as a decline in discounted sales to the off-price channel. In other words, some of their customers are either going out of business or rapidly shrinking their store count. And that is not great. Worse, Levi says they expect growth in the second half to moderate relative to the first half, particularly in the U.S. Ouch! Worst of all, though, let me read you this next dispiriting snippet from the call. Remember, I always tell you to listen to the call before you do any investing. Quote, We anticipate that pressure in the wholesale channel will adversely impact us by roughly 200 basis points in the second half due to the bankruptcies and door closures since, a year ago, the overall softening U.S. wholesale environment and the lower off-price channel sales, end quote, and awful. All this for a company that supposedly had better-than-expected earnings and guidance? Maybe Levi's can be saved by its overseas business, you think, like China? Mm, not so fast. China's about 3% of their business. That's not going to save anything. It's not like this is a great time to be an American company in the People's Republic anyway. Don't get me wrong. It's not their fault that American department stores are getting clobber here. And even when Levi's came public a few months ago, it was hard to tell how tough their customers would have had it. Not a lot of people saw this. But frankly, the stock's horrific sell-off. I think it's more to do with shareholders than the company itself. Levi's makes excellent products, right? I mean, don't we love this look? Well, I mean, some of us love it, but the shares should never have been so expensive in the first place. Who, what the heck was this thing trading at 22 times earnings with a weakened customer base and the retail environment that's swimming with sharks? That said, Levi's did itself no favors here. They could have telegraphed maybe some of this weakness beforehand. They could have given us a better sense of, uh, of how they might fight back in this environment. Let me put it this way. When you're hosting a quarterly conference call and you need to say something like, so we do have a strategy, end quote, that's not reassuring. Ultimately, the fault is in both their stars and, I think, themselves. It's a Shakespearean tragedy, not a history so not a comedy, not when a stock is down more than 12% in a day. Bottom line, Levi's the stock, not the jeans, should be much lower, maybe back even to where it came public. Hence, today's monster decline. But the big takeaway is that Levi's is foreshadowing what's going to happen to the entire apparel industry in a world where Amazon, Walmart, Target, and Costco are thriving at the expense of everyone else. They, these companies, they've got pricing power. They have clout, and they are using it against the suppliers. That's bad for Levi's, but it's also bad for everyone else who sells into retail, too. Stick with, oh, got to return these jeans, Kramer. The chief takeaway of tonight's show is that it's a dodge if you're just going to sit on the sidelines and say, you know what, it's all phony. There is money to be made. It's not going to be made every day, and we have to do it with homework. It's not always good, easy, tough. It can be risky. It can be all sorts of things. But one thing it isn't is phony. There's real money being made, and if you're on the sidelines because you're thinking it's all one big Fed-engineered bubble, I think you're missing great opportunities every single day of your life. And that is not what I want. Like I said, as always, Bloomberg my prime stock friend. Just be right here, make money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow.